Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Evan. Glad that you're here at First Covenant Church. We are disciples who make disciples. Uh, this morning, we have uh, two things of note. One, there are classes for everybody afterwards, all ages, so please stick around for coffee and then the classes. We have R.J. Bacani here today, who is the executive director of, yep, that's fine to give him a hand, executive director of Covenant Cedars Bible Camp, bringing the word. And uh, as we think about uh, the impact of camp this morning, we're going to have an interview. So Ailey Hope, I'm going to invite you forward, and I've got two pre-planned questions for you. Hi, Ailey. Okay, I have two questions. What has been the highlight for you of attending Covenant Cedars? And you don't just have to be limited to this year. <laughs> um, and hold that microphone nice and close there. Over the past, probably just the worship. Like, um, it's so great to be with people my age. Because I feel like sometimes it's kind of hard to find people like you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's just really great to hear some amazing scriptures from some amazing speakers over the past and the future. People my age. Okay. Speakers, worship, and the scriptures they bring. Those are some of the, the things we've really enjoyed. Okay. And what are you looking forward to next year? Um, just getting to be there. Like, getting to be with people, getting to meet new people, mm -hmm. just getting to talk with people and to worship. Yeah. yeah. There's something special about being in that place for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes you feel closer to God sometimes. That's great. You know, you can be here and be close to God, but sometimes just going somewhere new and being close to God is really special. Okay. Thanks, Haley. That was great. Yeah, you can put it. So camp is a special place. Many of us know that. Many of us experienced uh, the grace of God in some remarkable ways there. So I'm really excited that we get to hear from RJ and get to put that focus today on uh, what's ahead for Covenant Cedars and also what God has in store for us through his word this morning. I hope we're attentive to that. So with that, let's see a video and then we'll hear from RJ this morning. Oh, that's my face. Uh, good, uh, good morning. Okay, it, it is Camp Sunday, so when I say good morning, you say? 
Good morning. Uh, well, man, I'm excited to be with you guys and to spend a little bit of time diving into Scripture together. Um, I, I do have a little bit of connection here. I, I, I've been here on Sunday mornings. I've been here on Sunday nights. I've never been able to preach, so this is, this is fun. But uh, I actually did get to work with Br- Beth and Brian for a little bit um, before Beth got staswicked. Um, I, 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 I'm good friends with Matt Anderson, Ashley Carlson. They grew up here. Uh, I've, I've had uh, some of Sherry Erickson's rye bread. So if that doesn't make you first cove, I don't know what does. Um, but man, I, I'm excited to be with you uh, a little bit this morning. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is R.J. Bacani, like Pastor Evan said, uh, and I am the executive director at Covenant Cedars Bible Camp, uh, which is wild since I look like I'm a camper myself, uh, or at least the same height as one. Um, but man, uh, just for a quick raise of hands, who's ever been to Covenant Cedars? Whether you're a camper, you drop kids off. Okay, a lot of us have been there. Great. Um, so some of us have been there, some of our lives were dramatically changed at camp, uh, including mine. Uh, this is where I gave my life to Christ. I was a camper there. Uh, I was a counselor. I was a summer staff member. Uh, I was a youth pastor in Omaha who brought students to camp. Uh, I, I got, even got engaged to my wife there. Uh, spoiler alert, she said yes. Uh, camp has just been a special place. For a lot of people throughout the generations, I mean, a lot of us have raised our hands there, uh, and, and over uh, the last few months of me being in this new position, people are, are really excited to, to ask me, okay, what is, what is your vision for camp? What do you want camp to be? What, what do we want camp to be in the next five years, in the next ten years? Uh, maybe a month and a half ago, somebody from First Cup Omaha, they asked me what my vision is for the next 40 years, and that kind of freaked me out, but maybe we'll get there, who knows. Um, but, but really, the, the vision for camp is simple. We just want camp to be a place where lives are changed and transformed by Christ. Amen. How, however, the truth is, and, and the Stasbys know this, Evan knows this, uh, that, that the camp, the, the, the window of, of time at camp is short. So we don't often get to see that transformation take place, right? Because eventually those kids, they go back home. They go back to their families, back to their friends, back to school, which is kind of lame, back to real life. But it's in those spaces of real life where, where their faith becomes real, where it becomes something more than just what happened that one time at camp. But some of our campers, they, they struggle. They struggle to have that kind of faith. They, they think that they know Jesus because of something that happened that one night at camp, but then they go home, living completely unchanged. And if we're going to be honest with ourselves a little bit, that can be a problem for some of us too, right? Sometimes we might come in on Sunday morning thinking or, or claiming that we know Jesus, but then we spend the rest of our week apart from him. We're not, we're not living like God has called us. We're not living like, like someone who's completely surrendered their life to Christ. So if, if I can get that, that next slide, please. Uh, faith isn't just a component of our life, real faith fuels it. 
If you're taking notes down there, this is something to take note of. You're going to see this slide like 10 more times, I promise you. Uh, Real faith fuels life. Faith transforms uh, how we treat our spouse or our kids, how we talk to or about people, how we use our time, how we spend our money, how we interact on social media, how we face any circumstance in life. So if this is true, if faith really does fuel our life, how can we know without a doubt that we have a living, saving faith that, that fuels our life? How can we know that what we do at camp or here at First Covenant, here in Lincoln, that we're, we're teaching people, we're, we're, we're sending people out into the world that have this kind of faith that fuels life? There's an incredible passage in James that, that challenges us to move beyond simply having faith to having faith that changes and, and grows. In fact, the first thing that, that James will teach us this morning is that real faith is put into action. So again, if you're taking notes, this is kind of the first thing to take away. Uh, and, and this is kind of how James kicks us off. If you've got your Bibles, we're in James 2. Otherwise, you know it's on the screen behind me. Um, James says it like this. He says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have deeds or have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, Go in peace. Be warm, be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, uh, let's pause here really quickly to be, to be sure of what he is saying and what he is not. He is not saying that uh, our, our good works or our good actions are a requirement to being saved. If anyone here in the room this morning knows Christ, if we are Christ followers, then our story is that we are saved by the grace, mercy, power, goodness of Christ alone, and that is it. Amen? Amen. He is not saying that we are saved by our works. But James is saying that our works are a result of us being saved. In other words, it's, it's not what gets us into a relationship with God. It's just what happens, man. It's just what happens when we have a relationship with God. In, in Ephesians, Paul says it like this. Can I get that next slide, please? He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Boom, he clears it up right there. But then he goes on. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Can I get that next slide, please? Again, faith is not just a component of our life. Real faith fuels it. Paul tells us that we are saved by grace through faith, absolutely, and then it leads to life change. 
Because faith that saves is never actually alone, is it? It, it changes and it, it impacts how we live, how we think. And then, and then in turn, it, it changes and impacts the lives of those around us. There, there is a marriage between faith and works. If we don't see a faith that is changing and growing, if we don't have a faith uh, that is being put into action, then James would say that our faith is meaningless. Our faith is worthless. Our faith should move and extend beyond what happens at camp. It should move and extend beyond what happens on a Sunday morning. It should, it should change and lead uh, the way that we date people, the way that we treat our spouse, the way that we handle our money, the way that we spend our time, the way that we, we think and treat other people. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't transform us, if our faith is not being put into action, then we should be concerned. There might be some of us this morning that when we think back on our lives, there was actually a time that we felt closer to God than we do right now. Like maybe there was a time in our life that we were more passionate about Christ that time we went to camp or when we were a camper. Or, or that time that we went on that, uh, that missions trip, that time we went to that conference, that time we were part of that small group or youth group. And then somehow over time, life kind of just happened to us and our, our faith has kind of taken a back seat. Or maybe there are some of us this morning, we're, we're coming in and we don't even recognize our desperate need for Christ. We think that because we have gone to camp that one time, or maybe that occasionally we come to church on Sunday morning that we're, that we're kind of set for life. We, we view our faith as like an automated thing. We can set it and forget it. But now when I was a youth pastor, I, whenever, whenever I came to something important, I'd always say, eyes on me, okay? So we're coming to the important part. Eyes on me really quickly. Um, the, the, the gap, the gap between someone who, who just goes to camp or goes to church on Sunday morning, and a true follower of Christ, that gap is enormous. There is a chasm of difference between the two of those things. And right in the middle of that gap, we find obedience to Christ. Does our faith change and impact how we live? Does what we do at camp change and impact people's lives, teach people how to be obedient to Christ? Does what we do here at First Cup, and I'm not just talking to Pastor Evan, I'm talking to us as a congregation, is what we do, does what we do teach people how to be obedient to Christ? Does what we do impact lives here in Lincoln? Because our, our faith shouldn't just exist at camp, shouldn't just exist in our words or on Sunday morning. It should be an active, living thing that fuels our life, is present in every area 
of who we are. Now, sometimes we, we might hear this, and we think, okay, well then our faith is all about us doing stuff. Our faith is about us checking things off the list. So then we just try to be good people. We try to just do the right thing. But then we're kind of missing the mark yet again. Because then our faith becomes more about us doing and less about us trusting and believing in the God who saves, right? But if I can get that, that next slide, faith isn't just something that we put into action. It's not just something that we do. A real faith is an authentic belief, a conscious dependence in the Lord. Uh, if I can get that, that next slide, please. James continues on in his chapter by saying this. He says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Now show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Now, we're going we're gonna to take this turn real slow because James is kind of coming in here real fast. He, he already tells us that, that faith and works, they're, they're interrelated. They, they can't be separated. An authentic uh, belief, an authentic faith is, a, is an authentic belief and trust in God that changes and transforms us. But what James also tells us is that there is a belief about God that does not save. Eyes on me real quickly, because that's another important part. James tells us that there is a belief about God that does not save. We can believe that maybe God is, he exists out there somewhere, he's doing something. But we still live our life apart from him. So if even, as James says, the, the demons believe yet shudder, what does that mean for us? Again, real faith is not just a component of our life. Real faith fuels it. We need to move beyond simply knowing about God to having a personal, intimate, saving relationship with God. James, he brings up demons because he knows what they are. They know who God is. They know all about what God can do. They probably have a better theology than a lot of us do uh, in this room. And all throughout the Gospels, we can read about these interactions that, that Jesus has with these demon-possessed people, and they know who he is. There's, there's one of these uh, interactions that we can find in Mark, if I can get that next slide. Mark says it like this, uh, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. He knows be quiet, says Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Again, 
they know. They know who Jesus is. It says that, that they believe and shudder. But James also tells us that knowing about God is a lot different than, than having a personal, intimate, saving relationship with him. Because when we have this kind of faith that fuels life, it changes how we think, it changes how we live, how we act, how we give, what we turn to when life gets out of control. Because knowing about God is a lot different than knowing who he is. Interacting with him, living with him every day. Now again, eyes on me real quickly. There, there, there might be, there might be, I don't know you guys very well, uh, but there might be some of us this morning that we know a lot about God but we've never actually known him. Maybe we know how to say all the right stuff. Maybe we've read our Bible from cover to cover. Maybe we sit in the same exact pew every Sunday. I don't know. Maybe we've gone to camp as a kid every summer, but we've never actually had relationship with him. Or maybe... There are some of us, and we're coming in here, or we're listening at some point in the future, and, and we don't even want that. Maybe we're, we're kind of crawling in here this morning. We're broken, beaten, bruised from life. May, yeah, maybe we believe God exists out there somewhere, but what we really believe is in ourselves. We've been trying to make it on our own for so long that, that we're empty. There's nothing left in the tank. We're wondering how we got here in the first place. But we can change that. In fact, God wants us to change that. And he made that possible. And all that, all that requires from us, all that involves in us, is us trusting and believing in the goodness and mercy of Christ. And whoever is saying amen, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. In, in fact, the way that we put authentic faith into action, the way that we display and demonstrate our authentic and conscious dependence on him is through complete surrender. This is kind of our last point, and then we'll, we'll circle in. It's surrender to, to ourselves, Surrender to our desires. Surrender to the one who surrendered his life for us. Ultimately, our, our faith costs us something. James, he, he ends his chapter by giving us two illustrations from the Old Testament. And this is kind of how he wraps it up. He says, you foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. 
And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is also dead. Now, let's, uh, let's back up a little bit. Uh, God comes to Abraham, and he, and he promises him that he will be the father of many nations. He, his descendants will be as many as there are stars in the skies. But then what, what happens? He, he ends up waiting like a hundred years for his son Isaac to be born. And talk about spoiled. That kid had to be spoiled rotten. Abraham loved this kid. He cared for this kid. God fulfills his promise to Abraham. And life is great. But then what happens? God does the unexpected. And he asks Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac for him. This kid that he loves this kid that he has been waiting for to surrender his most prized possession, to give up everything, even when it might cost him. God promised him this son. Abraham had been waiting for this son. And yet, Abraham trusts For any person in this room, what God is asking Abraham would would seem cruel and unfair. And yet he still surrenders, even when it was uncomfortable, even when it hurt. And so as, as Abraham raises his knife to sacrifice his own son, the Lord stops him. He provides a a ram in his place because of his faith because of his surrender then we have we have Rahab uh, the prostitute uh, not exactly the dream job uh, and and she's living in the city of Jericho again not exactly the dream city and God he promises the nation of Israel that he will deliver Jericho into their hands so Joshua he sends out these spies and if we've ever seen veggie tales we kind of know the story a little bit Um, he sends out these two spies into the city. And when the king of Jericho finds out, he loses it. He threatens to to find these spies, to to kill them, to destroy them. So Rahab, she she risks her life to hide these guys in in her house. The guards come and, and ask where they are. She sends them off in a different direction. She's heard all about what God has done for the nation of Israel. She trusts. She believes in what he's done. And more importantly, she trusts that he will do it again. That he will do exactly as he says. So so she risks her own life. She surrenders even her own life 
even when it was uncomfortable, even when it might hurt, even when it might cost her. James, he, he brings up, he ends the chapter with these two, uh, these two illustrations because both Abraham and Rahab demonstrate what it means to have an authentic faith. It, it, it surrenders even when it hurts, even when it's uncomfortable. Because faith really does fuel our life. Faith surrenders our prized possessions, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it might cost us. It might cost us. It might cost us in our relationships. It might cost us in our families. It might cost us in our jobs. It might cost us in our reputations. It might cost us in anything. It might not make sense for us to think that way, to live that way, to act that way, to give that way, unless God is real. And then it makes all the sense in the world. Abraham and Rahab, they surrender even when it would cost them their own son, even when it might cost them their own life, even when it would hurt, even when it was uncomfortable. So going back to that, that question at the very, very beginning, is how can we know without a doubt that we have this kind of faith that, that fuels life, that changes and impacts and, and grows? Is if our faith costs us in our life, if how we live costs us to what the world tells us. Some of us, and I'm talking to myself really, we may not want to live where anything costs us, especially not our faith. We're worried about what that means for us in our families, what that means for us in our jobs, what people think of us at school, what that means for us in our wallets. But God does not care about that. He is not concerned with that. He just wants us. He just wants you. He wants me. And he made that possible. He made that possible through the death of his son, the resurrection of his son. He surrendered even when it cost him, even when it hurt Man, like I said, I want camp. My vision for camp is for us to be a place where lives are changed and transformed by Christ. And of course, we should absolutely desire for First Cove Lincoln to be the same thing. And man, I love, I love hearing stories about campers, about their life and their experience at camp and how much fun they have. I love connecting with us on Sunday mornings and be like, man, this is great. But eventually, we have to come down that mountain, right? Eventually, we have to go back into real life. Because real faith isn't just something that we see once a, a, you know, in the summertime. 
or on Sunday morning. It starts the moment that we wake up to the moment that we go to bed. Faith grows in the small, ordinary, mundane parts of our life. So let's work together to create people that have this kind of faith. Let's be partners in ministry. Let's create followers of Christ that, that have this faith that fuels life. Because when, when we have this kind of faith that changes and impacts one life, and then it changes and impacts the world around us. Amen? Let's pray for that, shall we? Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are so good. Thank you so much that you made it possible. You made it possible for us to enter into relationship with you. That we can put real faith into action. We can depend on you fully. We can surrender everything to you through your son who surrendered everything for us. Lord, may, may our faith be something real. May our faith be something that's greater than a week at camp, greater than a, a Sunday morning. But may our faith be something that fuels every part of who we are. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time. But Lord, I pray that you send us out into the world to change Lincoln, to change Nebraska, to change the world. In your name, we pray, amen.